This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvin Press. This is episode 222. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm Chris Lester, your guide to realms of the strange and the fantastic. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you. I'll also tell you how I've been doing in my efforts as a writing professional. More on that later in the show. For now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you part two of my comedic portal fantasy, The Dark Lord Steve. If you're new to the show, go back to episode 221 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. Last week's episode introduced us to Stephen Charles Lipinski, a graphic designer at a Silicon Valley tech company. Steve was minding his own business one day when a portal opened up below him and threw him into another world, where he was trapped inside a magic circle. He had been summoned by a sorcerer, who called himself Galvero, who declared that Steve was a demon and that he had bound him to his power. He wanted Steve to give him gold in exchange for his freedom. Steve was incredulous at the idea that he could just snap his fingers and make gold appear, so he was more than a little surprised when that was exactly what happened. He was even more shocked when he returned to his apartment, and a fistful of gold coins was still clutched in one hand. A week later, just when Steve was about to write the whole thing off as an elaborate prank by his buddy Rashid, Galvero summoned him again. Several years had passed in the sorcerer's world, and Galvero had used his new riches to set himself up with the lordship over a small castle in its surrounding lands. Now he wanted knowledge from Steve's world, secrets that would help him improve the crop yields in his newly acquired fiefdom. Steve was able to conjure up entire books just by thinking about it, even if he didn't know or understand all the contents. With Galvero in a talkative mood, Steve asked him the question he most wanted the answer to. Why him? Galvero showed Steve the book that he had used to summon him, the Tome of Alzarius, written by a sorcerer who had mastered the ritual. The book contained a list of demons' names, along with their talents. Steve asked, Did this Alzarius guy say where he got this list of names? Yes, Galvero answered. He obtained it from another demon. His name was... The Dark Lord Steve, written in red by Chris Lester. Part 2 Rashid Paracha, you son of a bitch! Rashid paused in the process of pouring his coffee and turned around slowly to face Steve. His handsome brown face was the picture of innocence, his sculpted eyebrows raised in polite inquiry. I beg your pardon, he said. Steve shut the door of the break room, giving them a measure of privacy from the co-working space outside. All the same, he closed the distance between them and lowered his voice to a soft growl. 
Does the Tome of Alzarius mean anything to you? Rashid's dark brown eyes went wide. Oh man, you too? Yes, me too, Steve hissed. You gave my name to a fucking sorcerer. What did you think was going to happen? Rashid abruptly looked about ten years older. He pulled out the nearest chair and sank into it. I'm sorry, he said, sounding tired. I just... I didn't know what to do. The dude was calling me all the time. It was kind of cool at first. You show up, you grant a couple wishes, you come home. I was okay with that. But he started doing it more and more often, and holding me longer and longer, keeping me trapped in that stupid pentagram for weeks or, or months. I'd come back and I couldn't even remember what I was working on. Steve sat down next to him. He was still pissed, but he also felt a little guilty. What Rashid had gone through sounded a lot worse than what had happened to him. So you made a deal. You gave him some other name so he would leave you alone. Rashid nodded wearily. I gave him the whole company directory. I thought with like 500 people to choose from, maybe he wouldn't bother any one person too much. Steve felt lightheaded. So there could be dozens, hundreds of other people in this company who had the same thing happen to them? Maybe, Rashid said. If they have, they haven't sent anything to me. He blushed, his dark skin flushing a few shades deeper. I made Alzarius promise not to tell anyone where he got the names. I guess he did anyway. Somebody else has his book now, Steve said. This little gray-haired dude who calls himself Galvero. Galvero? Rashid scoffed. That little shit? He was Alzarius' stable boy. He tried to give me orders once, but Alzarius caught him and beat his ass. He grinned, an ugly expression with too many teeth. And then Alzarius gave me his real name, in case he tried it again. Galvero doesn't know about that. Steve's eyebrows shot up. Yeah? What's his name? Rashid told him. That's a stupid name, Steve said. He was a stupid kid, Rashid said, shrugging. I guess he figured out how to do it right, though. And if he's an old man now, Alzarius must be hella dead. Steve raised his eyebrows. How long ago did he summon you? Last time was like two months ago, Rashid said. He cocked his head thoughtfully. Yeah, that tracks. The longest he kept me was six months, and when I got back I'd lost like half a day. Luckily it was the weekend. Dude, that is lucky, Steve agreed. He noticed that he wasn't angry with Rashid anymore. He had to admit, it was a huge relief just to be able to talk to someone about all this. How do you think it works, anyway? Why can they just summon us like that? And why do we have special powers once we get there? Rashid's eyes lit up, and he leaned in closer to Steve. I've been thinking about that, he said, his voice growing more animated. And, look, this is gonna sound crazy. Steve waved his hands in a get-on-with-it gesture. But you know how Elon Musk said we might be living in a simulation? That maybe there's some hella advanced civilization out there that figured out how to make a virtual world and we're all like characters in this super-realistic video game? Steve had heard this idea before. It had always sounded nuts to him, but he had heard it. Okay, yeah. Rashid turned to face him fully, and he started gesturing with both hands. Okay, so hear me out. 
If the technology exists to make one super-realistic simulated world, then you could theoretically make an unlimited number of simulated worlds. All you'd need is more energy and processing power. And if you can simulate a whole world, then that part's got to be trivial. Makes sense, Steve said. He remembered science fiction stories he had read, where futuristic civilizations had built giant metal spheres to capture the output of entire suns. Energy would not be a problem for a civilization like that. Okay, Rashid said again. Now here's what I'm thinking. What if these simulated worlds were nested inside each other? Steve frowned. What do you mean? Well, think about when you're playing a video game. In your own world, you're just a normal guy. But when you go into the game, suddenly you have superpowers or magic, or you can make stuff appear and disappear at will. You can do things in the game world that you could never do in your world, things that other characters in the game can't even do, because that's the way the rules of the game are set up. Steve nodded slowly. So you think that we're characters in a simulation who are also players in a different simulation where the rules are different? Maybe, yeah. I mean, shit, it makes more sense than anything else I can think of. Yeah, Steve murmured. After a moment, he asked, Do you think there's something like that in our world? Like, are there players who come here who can do godlike things in our world, but we're, like, programmed not to notice them? Rashid shrugged. Who the fuck knows, man? And even if there are, they could just be characters in some other simulation. Maybe it's turtles all the way down. Steve didn't get the reference, but he decided not to ask. Something else was weighing on his mind. So, if Alzerius and Galvero are in a simulation, and we're in a simulation, and there's God knows how many simulations above and below us, then where's it stop? What's real? I mean, really real. Rashid smiled bleakly. Welcome to my existential crisis, dude. It would be an exaggeration to say that Steve was ready the next time Galvero summoned him. It probably wasn't possible to be ready for the floor to drop out from under you without warning. But Steve was prepared. It happened while he was in rush hour traffic on the Bay Bridge. This was less dangerous than it sounds, because rush hour traffic on the Bay Bridge spends very little time actually moving. Steve had been sitting motionless in the tunnel through Yerba Buena Island for the past ten minutes, and in fact had spent six of them vividly imagining what he would do the next time he was summoned. He was almost relieved when the familiar sense of vertigo gripped him, and he fell into mid-air in Galvero's tower. This time he imagined an enormous, fluffy pillow waiting for him, and he landed on it with a soft whump. Outside the pentagram, Galvero scrambled backward in alarm. Son of a goat, he growled. With a thought, Steve let the pillow melt into the floor, lowering him softly to the stones below. He stood up and dusted himself off, smiling in satisfaction. Galvero, my dude, I was wondering when you were going to call. What's up, buddy? Galvero narrowed his eyes in suspicion. Stephen Charles Lipinski. Yeah, yeah, I know, Steve said, waving his hand dismissively. You have summoned me and bound me in your power, I get it. He rubbed his hands together, as if eager to get started. So what's new? What can I do for you? Galvero's scowl deepened. 
Why are you so cheerful, demon? Well, Steve drawled, I was just thinking, I've been looking at this whole thing the wrong way. It's pretty great being able to do anything I can think of, you know? So I thought, why not just go with it? He spread his hands. So, what do you want, Galvero? Gold? He snapped his fingers, and a stack of gold bars appeared to his left. Booze? Snap, and a bottle of Macallan 15 appeared to his right. Weed? Snap. A joint appeared between Steve's lips. He took a puff on it, then blew the smoke in Galvero's direction. You name it, I can do it, buddy. Galvero's eyes went wide. He must have been impressed in spite of himself. After a moment, he shook his head, as if to clear it, then said, That's enough, demon. I have no need of your foolish fripperies. I require more knowledge. Suit yourself. Steve flicked the joint at Galvero, then dismissed the gold and the whiskey, letting them vanish in puffs of smoke. Then he conjured a chair for himself, and, because he was hungry, he called up a burger and fries and a chocolate milkshake from In-N-Out. He unwrapped the burger, steaming hot and animal style, just the way he liked it, and took a big bite. Perfect. What you want to know, he said, around his mouth full of burger. Galvera watched this display the way one might observe feeding time for the lions at the zoo. Warily, he sat back on his heels and picked up a small stack of papers, which seemed to be covered in handwritten notes. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> I have studied the books you provided. Your infernal tongue is difficult. <laughs> yeah, English sucks, Steve agreed cheerfully, before taking a long sip of the milkshake. Galvero's expression clouded in confused suspicion at this which made Steve wonder how literally this summoning magic, or computer simulation or whatever, was translating his words. Whatever Galvero thought he'd said, he apparently decided to ignore it and forge ahead. I believe I am coming to understand it, but I need to be certain. I want you to look at my translations and make sure they are correct. Steve leaned back in the chair and made a show of thinking hard. Hmm he said, drawing out the word. So, let me get this straight. You've got, like, unlimited cosmic power at your fingertips, and you want help with your homework? God, that is lame, dude. Galvero sat up, looking affronted. Do not insult me, demon. I am not a child. I hold you in my power. Steve yawned theatrically, then pointed a french fry at him. I think you should stop yelling at me, Delbert of Hogshead. Galvero's body went abruptly stiff, as if he'd grabbed hold of a live wire. He opened his mouth, but no sound came out. Well, check that out. I guess there's something to that whole true name thing after all. Steve slid the rest of his meal back into the paper takeout bag, then rose to his feet. He stepped up to the inside edge of the pentagram, directly in front of Galvero. He spread his hand out in front of the spot where the invisible force field began. He could still feel it there, a buzz of power like an electric fence, but it seemed... changeable, somehow, like it was just another part of the environment that he could adjust if he wanted to. And that same feeling applied to the man in front of him. Now that he knew the sorcerer's true name, 
Steve had power over him, and over everything Galvero possessed, including the pentagram. Nothing in this tower could hurt him now. Smiling, he crouched down to look Galvero in the eye. Here's the thing, Delbert. In my real life, in my real job, I go and sit in a little box, and I design things that other people want me to make. And it's... okay. It's fine. I'll be honest, it's more fun than school. He felt the smile fade from his lips. But then you call me here. To a whole other universe. To a place with honest-to-God magic. And what do you do? He gestured at the pentagram. You put me in a little box. You tell me to make things for you. His nose wrinkled in disgust. And now you want me to do homework. No thanks, dude. You brought me here? You gotta at least give me something cooler than my real life. So, tell you what. I'm gonna go check out this wannabe Middle Earth you've got here, and see if I can find a quest to join or a princess to save or something. He extended his foot in front of him, into the force field. The buzzing pressure resisted him, but Steve had decided that it shouldn't hurt, so it didn't. Galvero's eyes went so wide that Steve thought they would bulge from his skull. No, he whispered. Steve ignored him. I'll check back in a few days, when I've had a chance to scope things out. The force field was pushing back harder on him now. It still didn't hurt, but it was stopping him from planting his foot outside the pentagram. Steve gritted his teeth and pictured the force field splitting open around him, setting him free. Don't go summoning anyone else now, K. Delbert. As soon as he said the sorcerer's name, the pentagram yielded to Steve's command to open. In a flash, the force field ruptured, as quickly as a balloon pierced by a needle. What no one had told Steve, though he might have guessed, if he had paid more attention in physics class, was that a force field capable of containing a being of human size and strength required a rather large amount of energy. To contain a being of human size and strength, and a portal capable of tunneling into an adjacent reality, the energy requirements went from rather large to the sort of thing you can't generally get without a military contract and permits from several federal agencies. And when Steve broke through the pentagram, all of that stored energy was released. An all-pervasive flood of light, sound, and pressure enveloped him. The stone tower, with its relatively flimsy roof of wooden beams and thin slate tiles, acted like an enormous cannon, channeling the force of the blast straight upward. The roof came apart in the shockwave, and Steve was propelled through the resulting cloud of debris and into the sky above. He had a tumbling, disorienting view of a broad, rolling land of green fields and forests, more lush and vivid than the California hills were even after the spring rains, and a gray stone keep surrounded by dozens of small, thatched-roof buildings. And then he was falling, back into the plume of ash and smoke that was still belching from the tower. Oh, fuck, he thought. He tried to conjure the giant pillow again, but his head was ringing, and he couldn't quite visualize what he wanted. He landed hard in a pile of rubble, and the world went black. Black. 
And that's the end of part two. Come back next time when Steve confronts the consequences of his inadvertent explosion and finds someone new to help him make sense of this strange new world. Hey there, folks. Chris Lester here coming to you unscripted. Just wanted to give you a quick update on where things are with the whole move and setting up the new studio. As you can probably tell, I'm not in a proper recording studio yet because there's quite a bit of reverb in here. I am in my new office, and this is going to be my new recording space, but I need to get all of my sound absorbent panels up on the walls and ceiling so that they can actually do their job. We've been in our new house for about a week now, and we've got most of the boxes unpacked, but we've been working pretty much every night on getting things in order around here, so I haven't had any time to do any new writing, and this is the first chance that I've had to actually work on the podcast. I'm hopeful now that as things start to settle down, I'll be able to get back into a routine of writing on a regular basis. I'll check in with you guys next week and let you know how it's going. Until then, thank you so much for sticking with me through this hiatus and all of the chaos that has been involved with moving from an apartment into a new house. And a special thanks to everybody who's been supporting me on Patreon. You guys are helping me to keep this going, and because of you, we'll be able to pay for things like, oh, I don't know, getting lights wired in our new house and repairing some of the little things that needed to be fixed in this place in order to get it up to code again. So, until next time, thank you so much for your support, and I will talk to you again soon. So until then, keep it on the bright side. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.